All right. Thanks for tuning in, folks. This is Deep Thoughts, Deeper Talks. I'm your host, Julian Robinson. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and share the show on whatever platform you might be listening on. Uh, For this episode, I'll be speaking of Thomas Moonigal on the subject of shamanism. Really excited about this one. Really super interesting topic that I've been really curious about for quite a while. Thomas Moonigal, he is a shamanic uh, practitioner, artist, author, Reiki master, and teacher. Very busy guy. He is a Sifu of Southern Chinese Tai Chi. His journey started with an interest in divination and then progressed into various forms of meditation. Uh, He has two YouTube channels, one focused on Tai Chi and Qi Kung, and the other focused on spiritual healing. I'll include all of his info in the description. And he is also the author of the book, Drumming Down the Runes, Walking the 24 Roads. Now let's get into it. Uh, Thomas... Thank you so much for for joining me. Really, really excited for this conversation. How's it going? It's going all right. Um, It's been a good day today, actually. Uh, So the topic of today is shamanism, uh, which you're going to walk us through. Uh, Before we dive into it, though, let's start off by you introducing yourself, who you are, and just telling the audience how you got into it. Well, um, I wasn't born to it. it came to me sort of later in life, but I'd always had an interest, you know, from a very young age, you know, some people really into like ghost stories or any sort of fantastic tales. And that was me as a child. And that interest continues to this day throughout my life. I've always been interested in what you might call the other stuff that exists on the fringe. Um, and that's kind of always lit me up inside. Uh, so I started probably with when I was in high school, um, I had an interest uh, <laughs> because I was like kind of stuck in a space. And I was like, is it because I'm getting better? So I thought I'd get a, a deck of tarot cards and, you know, read my future. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and then I didn't like what it said. So I read for everybody else for years. <laughs> <laughs> so that's uh but that that was my first kind of foray into, I guess, the actual uh, metaphysical world. And then from there, it progressed into meditation. Um, I met some people that do more of a hermetic practice at, at lunch. I, I learned some from them, decided that wasn't for me. Uh, and I learned in the traditional pagan community for a while. Um, and I just didn't fit there either. Um, and I just happened to meet... Uh, both my teachers uh, within like a few months of each other. One was working at like a, a psychic fair where I was and another one was doing a free kind of introductory class at the local Unitarian church. And so I was like, well, I'm going to do that. So I showed up for that. And uh, uh, I'd done some journey work before that just from reading books, uh, but I had never seen it applied and see how, you know, it worked in a group. So it was um, a very different experience working together um, with other people and working with teachers, which is I've been really fortunate to have not just one, but two really great teachers in the area where I live. So uh, that's, you know, 
unless you're in a really big city, that's kind of uh, very uncommon. We'll just put it like that. <laughs> and and where 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 in the the U.S. are you? I'm in Kentucky, actually. I'm in Louisville, oh. Kentucky. Oh and wow! Yeah, you wouldn't think that there's a big shamanic community <laughs> in Louisville, Kentucky, but there actually there is. There's a there's a big shamanic community in Kentucky, wow. and um, and but it it's very. Um, I would say ideologically diverse because we have people who are uh, really strong Christians who are, are into the shamanic path. You've got people in the Judaic tradition, um, you have people in the pagan tradition or the new age tradition. And so it can really be applied to um, whatever tradition you're in, because it's more about a system of techniques and worldviews than it is about, you know, strict dogma and religion. It's more about how we access um, spirit and how we communicate back and forth with spirit. Right. And just for everyone listening, can you like, you know, just explain to them, you know, in a nutshell, from your perspective, what exactly shamanism is? It, for me, it's a, you know, there are some core beliefs around it, Um, but it, and there are some things that seem to, it's very cross-cultural. Like if you were to go back into history at some point, every single culture started with the shamanic tradition. Like every religion had that sort of, uh, what I call animistic philosophy. And what that means is that it's the, the simple belief that everything is alive and everything has a spirit and you can communicate with that. So a tree, a rock, a stream, the sky, the stars, uh, the creator, um, the earth, um, animals, uh, and, you know, other beings as well. So, I mean, that's at the core of it is that everything is alive. Everything has consciousness and you can train your own consciousness to be able to speak with that and receive information back and forth. Um, And the other kind of very common belief is the idea of many worlds. So, the three worlds you've got um the middle world where we live uh and this is one of the middle worlds you've got uh the upper world is sort of the place of your ancestors the place of angelic beings guides teachers deities uh if you get high enough the creator uh, and then you go to the lower world which you know in a lot of modern traditions, they think the lower world bad, you know, but no, the lower world is actually very positive in shamanism. It's the place of animal spirits, plant spirits, stone spirits, spirits of like mountains and rivers and oceans. Um, and so it has a very heavy and very dense feeling, but it's a, a different kind of, it's sort of like, you know, really nice, heavy, warm blanket uh, and how comforting that can be. So it that's, and but each of those worlds with uh, a person who's a shamanic practitioner, uh, one of the things they do is they send their consciousness out into the, one of those three worlds to find answers, to speak with their um, connections, their, their allies. And in order to bring about change, to bring about healing um, or just for to gather information. And is that done through like meditation? Like how, how, how do you, you go through that process? There's a lot of different ways. Um, some people do access it from sort of a visualizing meditation. Um, a lot of it traditionally was done through trance work, through drumming, through dancing, through singing, chanting. Um, and so one of the most common ways that you'll see 
that is very ancient is just using the sound of the drum and, you know, and a certain rhythm it's, you know, when we say we're going to do shamanic drumming, people sometimes will come to a circle and they'll, they'll try to play like this complex where they're like, no, 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 <laughs> this isn't a jam session. Um, those are great uh, and have a different, you know, uh, sort of feeling, but uh, shamanic drumming is a particularly a steady tempo, steady pace. And it really, it, it shifts your brain. It shifts your consciousness so that you can sort of, you know, let loose of your everyday perceptions and go into non-ordinary reality. And that's, that's one way to do it. Um, another way is a lot of people have uh, in different cultures have done plant medicine, visionary plant medicine. Um, I think what, one of the things that's really popular in the consciousness right now is ayahuasca, um, which I have not tried. I've actually, <laughs> I've not tried any of the entheogens, um, but I know people who have, but you know, there's things like that. There's things like magic mushrooms. Um, there's DMT, just those are different ways to do that. Uh, the difference between that and sort of like a drumming or, you know, induced where you induce the trance through ritual, through ceremony, through dancing, through drumming, through singing, um, is that, uh, you're kind of along for the ride with no hands on the wheel. So, and for some people that really appeals to them. Um, and I'm kind of a control freak, so I've never, <laughs> never done, I've never done that. Um, but there are like, there are uses for those plants specifically that are, um, very powerful and very healing. Um, but they are, you know, again, like very focused reasons for doing that. So, you can do that. You can learn to journey uh, and have visionary experiences without those. So, but those are just some ways, you know. Right, and you know, I, I have uh, partaken mm-hmm. in, in in some of those, and uh, you know, from my experience, I feel like first and foremost, you know, complete ego death. That's something that that definitely happens. Uh, of you know, a vast of emotions that you know you may have been uh you know not really facing that's been like hidden deep down comes out uh mm-hmm. you know um seeing really really trippy <laughs> things uh it's 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 quite it's it's incredible um so yeah you know and i feel like you know to be able to to like have somewhat of a similar experience like that but be in control and do it without the assistance of something that sounds really I mean, I say control there, you know, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you really want to get the best information and, and have the best healing experience, you do have to let go. Um, right. But when you're using a drum, you know, drumming or anything like that, and if you get to something that you just can't handle, you can open your eyes. Right. Uh, so, I mean, it's a trail and it's going to depend on the situation and, what I've always said is if, if I require um, visionary plant medicine, I want it to be very clear. I want it to be put in my path and have the perfect situation and the perfect container for that uh, to happen. So that's a healing experience. Right. Um, because I, I don't think that any of those things are bad. I just think they're situational. Um, yeah. And 
a lot of people who do um, use that for their sort of jumpstarting into the shamanic pack they're doing later on, they don't really use it that much because the doorway's already been kind of opened. Um, but yeah, there, there's, there are certain things I, I find fascinating and it happens in my, in my life that like it's thrown across my path. And like I said, you know, the container and the situation is because you really want to be with people you, you trust people that care for yeah. you. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's true. If you're doing any kind of work uh, with spirit is you always want to be mindful of that container. Um, Cause you want only kind of the best of yourself and your spirit to come forward when you're doing any kind of healing work. And when it comes to the spirit, like what, what are your thoughts on just, cause like, I know you're saying that there's essentially three different worlds and mm-hmm. we're, we're, we're in one right now. Uh, yeah. So is, is it just a given that, that once, once we die, we, our spirit moves to one of the others and how, how exactly is that determined in your opinion? Well, I can tell you uh, what one of my teachers has said. And, you know, I have two teachers and one's uh, core shamanism. One is South American shamanism. And uh, so they differ on a couple things. Uh, okay. But the one that's the, that talks mostly about that is the one that has studied with South American shamans. And uh, she says, you got to pick where you're going to go. Like, just decide where you're going to go beforehand. And then that takes away a lot of the confusion uh, a lot of that, you know, sometimes you have death drama when you, you pass over because we, as a culture, are, are, are afraid of death. Um, and we've, you know, so it's a very traumatic experience for the consciousness. Like, oh, my God, I'm dead. <laughs> What's going to happen? Where, what, what if I was bad? You know, all these things that come to the forefront. So she's like, you got to decide where you're going beforehand so that when you die, you're like, OK, I'm going there. And that's where you, you'll, you'll end up. But, you know, and also, you know, we have, hopefully if we've cultivated good relationships, uh, we'll have someone who comes for us, you know, to, you know, like, ah, oh, come on in, welcome this way. Um, and that's a very common experience to people who've had near-death experiences or who have, you know, had experiences, you know, uh, about two years ago, in fact, two years ago from yesterday, my grandmother passed away. And oh, sorry. Yeah, she was 98. <laughs> oh, oh, wow, wow. <laughs> so we, we, we can't really, it was like, oh, I'm sorry. It was like, I, I felt like asking for more time would be greedy in a way. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I remember, you know, I'd done some work for hire. I'd been told by spirit that she was going to pass that winter. And it, it happened just a little earlier in the winter than I expected. But I remember I had put her in sort of a, what's called an Aya Despacho, which is kind of um, a blessing bundle uh, that you do for the, for the people that have passed and the people that are going to pass in the next year. And I felt a little guilty about that. I did it on the Day of the Dead. Um, one of my teachers always has a Day of the Dead ceremony. And, um, but I, I had the feeling that she was going that it was like very apparent. And then of course she did. And I was like, Oh, you know, you feel a little guilty, even though you, and so I was, I was journeying with, um, one of my guides and they just sort of pulled me aside and they're like, here, come with me. And 
took me off through like, a, and people say, well, how did you get there? I was like, I don't know. Uh, but I came to a place and there she was and she was, you know, waiting, happy to see me, waiting for other relatives who had passed away years before, but were still dealing with their own stuff, <laughs> which yeah. she joked about. She's like, uh, they've been dead for years and they're still not ready. <laughs> oh my God. So she was just waiting there in this, this little rocking chair. Uh, but just, you know, it was really good to see her, but people said, Oh, so you went to see her. I was like, no, no, my guide took me to see her because they're like, you need to go see her kind of thing. So those are the things that can happen, um, where we have that. And there are other people who specialize in kind of that area of shamanism about death and dying and speaking with loved ones and communicating. That's not particularly my area, but if, if I need to, <laughs> it's like, it's there. It's good to know that it's there. Yeah. And one thing I was thinking about while you were talking, um, you know, uh, there's this, this um, Netflix series uh, called Unsolved Mysteries. And it, it's, it's kind of, I don't know, life is weird. I, yeah. I, 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 I watched an episode yesterday, right before this conversation. And the episode was about uh, this, this small like little uh, town in in Japan where the the people in the area they they bend it like they were able to create an economy from like their their ocean and their sea there like they they had all sorts of businesses that were started because of it and everything and it was a pretty prosperous small town mm-hmm. and then one day there was uh, a ridiculous earthquake i think it was like a 9.0 this was this was, uh, I think, like early 2000 or something. And, you know, they immediately tried to get people to evacuate. They told people to to get out. And almost instantaneously, there ended up being a tsunami. And mm-hmm. thousands of people died. And as soon as that that happened, you know, there were you know, people who were, you know, looking for their loved ones and everything. There's still people who weren't found. Uh, they had to, uh, cause I guess in Japanese, uh, culture, it's re- they're really big on, um, cremation. So mm-hmm. they had to like bury the body, like they had to like bury the bodies, but then they were going to unbury them to cremate them after the fact, but there were just so many bodies they had to do that. Mm-hmm. And they talked about how maybe I want to say like three or so months later, a lot of the people in the town experienced uh, spirits of people who died from that uh, communicating with them and how they were just a bunch of lost souls uh, that, yeah. that just were trapped and didn't know that they were dead and how uh, the, um, I think that they called them like a, a reverend or something, the, the Buddhist reverend or I forgot what they called them, but the, the guy who who's from the town in the Buddhist temple kind of helped to mediate with a lot of the spirits. And they were talking about how like one of the ladies, her, her kid died and uh, she basically left all his toys. And like when people would come over, she'd communicate with the kid and like, you'd see his toys light up and stuff like things that you couldn't explain mm-hmm. were happening. Um, so my question is, you know, like well, first off, like one thing that 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 was abundantly clear, like as I was watching this, was first and foremost, it seemed like in Japan, it was very they they 
like while some of them were, you know, a bit startled by what they experienced, most of them seemed pretty comfortable and weren't, you know, alarmed by what was happening. Like you even had some drivers who would say that they had experiences of seeing people, letting them in the car, driving them to where they need to get and then turning around and realizing that the person's gone. And that happened a lot. And they were just like, you know what? If I need to drive the spirit to where they need to go, I'll do it. What, like, I I feel like there, you know, I'd love to hear your thoughts, but I feel like there is a bit of a different uh, perspective when it comes to spirits in Eastern culture and Western culture. Why do you think that is? Well, it really does. It comes down to culture and it comes down to how we view the world. Uh, and the frame that we view it through. So what's interesting is like some people's experience with spirit is very loving. It's very, you know, uh, it opens them up in a way and it's exciting and they consider it something wondrous and magical and other people are terrified of it. And then it becomes something unnatural and terrible because of what they bring to it. Uh, and kind of what they attract with that kind of energy, what they're going to see. Um, and it's it's really, you know, there's the different cultural framing. I mean, there's, you know, Buddhism in, in, in Japan, but there's also Shintoism, which is very, it, it's as an example of an animistic culture. Um, I was on a live stream with a couple of my viewers and they were asking me about Kami spirits, which I don't know much about because I I'm not an expert in Shintoism, but I do know that they have that I, that similar idea that, you know, certain places have a spirit and you have to honor that spirit. And death rituals and death rites and how we view um, spirits that are passed, that, that have passed on um, varies from culture to culture. Um, and some, some cultures think ghosts are kind of, you know, we've kind of turned it, turned it almost into a tourist industry here. Um, and which I understand because it's probably the closest some people get to something that's, you know, supernatural, magical, you know, some sort of spiritual dimension that they can actually, uh, understand. Um, I, I live and actually we have Waverly Hills here, which is, uh, one of the most haunted places in the country. It was a a TV sanatorium. And thousands upon thousands of people died there. And uh, yeah, there are a lot of stories. And they, they're turning it into a bed and breakfast, I think. <laughs> what? Which is, is really, you know, I, I'm like, ah, oh. you know, and I understand it like really excites people to see these things. Um, and I've, I've uh, done events at places that were haunted. Um, that was, I didn't, I mean, I didn't like it because I, the difference between what I consider a ghost and a spirit, a ghost is kind of an unnatural state. It's someone who has lost their body, but has not yet transitioned on into that next uh, world. And so they're kind of trying to exist in a world that is not built for their energy. Um, and that's not helpful for them. And it's generally not helpful for the people in the, in the space either. Um, but yeah, I've, I've done events before where they put me up. I didn't know this. I was at a winery and they put me up in this one building and I kept felt like there was this somebody right in my face the whole time. 
and was really kind of not happy with me for the first half of the night. And, and then later on, they were okay with me and they were sort of standing behind me and they like put their hands on my shoulders. And I went down, they, they were, and all the, like the owners of the place that were having this ghost tour, they, they were like, so what'd you think of blah, blah. And I said, well, I felt like someone was like right in my face the whole time. But like by the end of the night, they were okay with me. And she's, oh yeah. And well, it turns out what they had put me up in was the old slave quarters. Oh, wow. And there was a, a, a woman that haunted that, that space. And see, you know, they were using that as like a tourist attraction. And my thing would be like, um, I would be going in there <laughs> and drumming and trying to help that spirit move on, you know, because I just felt like that was cruel, you know? No, yeah. Yeah. If, if you like look at it from that vantage point, it's incredibly cruel. Uh, do you think that, you know, putting into perspective what you said in regards to, you know, the, the distinction between a spirit and a soul, do you think that the, the way in which the world we live in is structured, that we don't set ourselves up for success in regards to being ready for that transition once, once it is time? I, I think that's really common. Um, for a lot of people, particularly if you die suddenly um, or, you know, traumatically, tragically. And right now, because we're in the middle of the pandemic, I mean, we have so many, (laughs) so many souls crossing and it's, you know, there's, there is what they call psychopump work, uh, which is basically helping people to cross over, uh, helping helping spirits find, you know, that light and, you know, walking into that and letting go and letting go of some of the fear, some of the pain, um, as they do so. And it's really important work to do right now. Right. And so it sounds like the, the notion of walking towards the light, like that's something that you think isn't just, uh, it's a thing it's a thing it's a real thing uh i i think one of the most um i enlightening experiences that i had was like i said you know i went and i was going to the unitarian church for these free classes for like a couple years uh with one of my teachers and we would do like a different journey each month or a different healing thing each month but we'd all be doing the same thing in the circle and uh, this happened. We did a, a journey to help people after the Virginia Tech massacre. And so we did a journey there to help the souls. And that's a middle world journey. And those are the ones that I struggle with the most. Because um, I'm always like, well, I've never been there before. How will I know what it looks like? You know? <laughs> right. And, you know, you start to doubt yourself. And all I was there was like on a bench and I was seeing people walk by and I was like, you know, just kind of pointing that go that way. And I kept seeing all these people with like gray blankets wrapped around themselves. Uh, and I came back and that's all I, you know, everybody runs, you know, shared different things. And I said, I just saw people with gray blankets and my teachers sort of pointed at me and she's like, I want you to know um, there is an order of angelic beings and they're in gray and they're tasked with taking people who have died across. 
Wow. So I was like, that was really eye-opening for me because you're always wondering, you know, am I making this up? You know, when you do a journey a lot, it, he's like, am I making this up? Is this just in my head? Right. And that's the benefit of community. When you come together and you share, you start to see, oh, I've got this piece of the puzzle. They've got that piece. And it's like, you're all standing around something, but you're only seeing one perspective out of it. And then when you put them all together, it forms the whole. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's really important work to do, you know, helping people prepare, uh, helping people heal. Uh, there is um, one of my other t- teachers, she does uh, death and dying work where she works with people who are terminally ill to help start that process to let go so that they can just go. Right. Like, uh, like while you're talking, one thing that I, I just think about, you know, I feel like in life, no matter what it is that you're doing and whatever it is that you're talking about, there's, there's always an energy that you can, you can feel like if you're, if you're really thinking about it and you know, whatever it is that you're doing, you're either going to be pushing out positive or negative energy. Do you think that, you know, if people were more, more mindful of like what they put out and like what they, they take in that that would not only make their lives probably better, but also just, you know, if they're able to like, you know, practice and, and really put this into work throughout the, the longevity of their life, that it'll translate to, you know, things being easier, easier once you do get to that, that moment. I would hope so. <laughs> you know, I don't think we'll, I don't think we'll know until we get there, <laughs> but I think it's, it's, it's always good just while you're alive you know, the experience that you're going to have is be very different. Um, if you're not aware of what you're projecting out, um, and how much of a shadow that you're casting over your path and over other people's paths, that's going to cause a lot of problems and a lot of confusion. Um, and just becoming aware of like, you know, what, what is triggering in you, you know, what, you know, one of the things, um, a lot of people talk about curses uh, and mostly what that is, is like, it's already in you, whatever that is. And someone's just come here and flicked it on, you know, but it's already in you. So if you were to do your work and clear yourself up, it would pretty much be like someone would try and flick you and there would be nothing there for them to flick. Uh, nothing for them to turn on. It's like having, it's almost like Velcro, you know, the little hooks and they stick on things. Those little stickums that you get in the woods that, you know, have the spikes on them. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and I, people get really freaked out when I say curses or talk about curses, but you know, it's really not, it's not like what you see in Hollywood because a lot of us carry generational curses uh, things that were said to us when we're children that we then believe and then we continue, you know, like, oh, you're never going to amount to anything. Or if we, you know, we tell somebody what we really want to do when we grow up and they say, oh, you'll starve if you do that. And, you know, all these things that we take in, um, you know, oh, no one's going to ever love you unless you do a X, Y, Z. And, you know, you can see and that becomes a framework through how we view ourselves, how we view the world and that really determines what happens to us 
Um, so it's I think it's incredibly important to see what you're putting out and to see what you're taking in. Right. And I do want to get, uh, have you elaborate a little bit more on awareness and reality or consciousness and reality, but before we get there, just curious, cause I know that, uh, initially you mentioned how essentially everything has a soul, you know, a rock mm-hmm. has a soul, you know, a cat, a dog has a soul. When we look at ourselves and, you know, inherently human beings put ourselves in the center of everything and make everything about us is so like, like, why is it in your opinion that we, we apparently have, or, you know, at least in our minds, we have a much larger consciousness than our fellow, you know, cats, dogs, bears, what, what, what have you, like, what, why is there that, that variance you think? I will, uh, <laughs> I, I don't have the answer to that, but I will tell you what I was told in one of my journeys. Um, I, I've been fascinated by mushrooms for a long time, just normal mushrooms, not even the magic mushrooms, but <laughs> just like when I started reading about them started, and starting, you know, like how the fungal network goes through the entire landmass. And it's like a little internet for the, for the plants and the plant world and, Self and I was like, huh. I was like, well, I wonder what that consciousness would be like. So, I, you know, I was like, I want to check this out. And so, I journeyed to it and, and spoke with it. And um, one of the things they conveyed to me was that, you know, one that we worked for them or actually her. Uh, <laughs> whether or not we knew it, we worked for her. We were doing her bidding. Um. And, but everybody worked for her, basically. It's on land, pretty much. Is She's like, you see that ant over there? That one works for me, too. She's like, <laughs> <laughs> and she's just pointing. She's like, you know, simple tasks for simple beings. Complicated tasks for complicated beings. And she looked at me, and she's like, you are very complicated beings. So it's, you know, we tend to, like, do a hierarchy of of worth of, of, of life. But from the spiritual, the spirit perspective of that, um, it really, it's not that way. It's just sort of like, you've got a place on, on, in this, you know, whole picture, but you're only a piece of that picture. And if you think you're so intelligent or your, your consciousness is so big, uh, journey to the fungal network because that's a really big consciousness <laughs> yeah. or to the ocean I mean the ocean mother is another one that is just enormous uh, incredibly powerful um, we, we I think we're looking at you know what we consider IQ and, and equating that with spiritual worth but you know, and or power and but really um, as individual beings, we're not all that powerful. I mean, we're not particularly fast. We're not particularly strong. Our eyesight is not that great. Our hearing is not that great. Our smell is not that great <laughs> when compared to a lot of other creatures. And uh, we survive in very limited conditions. Uh, and, you know, we are subject to weather events, um, 
to pandemics, to earthquakes, to, you know, cosmic radiation, everything you can think of, you know, uh, we're really kind of here in a sense by grace. And um, it's not that we're not unique and special and wonderful. I'm not saying that we're not. I was just that everything's kind of special and it's just special in a different way. <laughs> right. And uh, do you want to elaborate on awareness or consciousness in correspondence to reality? Yeah. I, I think that's really, you know, what's interesting is how much of shamanism corresponds to kind of what we think of when we go into quantum mechanics, you know, because we are the idea that this, that time and space are not real. That's uh, they do not exist. Uh, that's one of, one of the things that I've learned in some of the core shamanism and different shamanist beliefs that those are illusions, time distance. And when we go into the quantum world, same thing, you know, things that were separated by thousands of light years, if they were once, you know, connected, when one is affected, the other one be affected instantaneously. And one of the things that affects things, particularly on that quantum level of reality, the subatomic level is awareness. You know, where is the electron? Is it here or is it over here? Well, it depends where we expect it to be and where we're looking for it. And, you know, just on that very small level, but, you know, it filters up where you have, you know, one thing corresponds to another and it causes a cascade. And so there's this idea, you know, you create reality, your reality. And in a sense, you kind of, you definitely create your inner reality. That is totally true. Um, but what we call collective reality, what we call this middle, the middle world that we live in, <laughs> <laughs> that we currently inhabit. Um, I've always kind of got into arguments with people uh, uh, who are very much law of attraction. And I'm like, there's good things about that. And then I think there's not so good things about that. That idea is it's there, there are truths to it, but there's also lots of complexities that people don't want to look at. I said, because when you look at the whole entire world and I say to you, you create reality. Well, that's a big place. <laughs> that's a big place for just you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so really when we talk about consensual reality, it's really an averaging for my person. This is now, again, this is my perspective. So you have your input to things and everybody is also projecting their reality on things. And consensual reality is kind of like the average of the collective <laughs> projection. Right. Uh, which is why when well, you're talking about that village that had all of those sightings and happenings, if you think about it, they have a very specific belief system and expectations around life and death and about the process of it. And not only the people that were alive, but the people that were passing on. So, when particular situations happen, they happened and they had these phenomena happen because it was kind of expected. Now, if that were to happen here, would the same thing happen? Maybe on a smaller scale for certain people, um, but probably not on a wider thing because it's not expected. We, we haven't collectively collapsed 
our focus into that one area. So everything exists in sort of potential until we observe it. And then what we see is filtered by what our subconscious has said is possible. And most of that is um, formed at a young age, what we think is possible. Do you think that, uh, not to be too conspiratorial, but do you think in in some sense there are very smart people who are aware of this and manipulate uh, large groups of people in some capacity with that? Um, yes, but probably not on a spiritual level. Right. No, um, yeah. I, I'm not thinking. I mean, more, yeah, like, this is, you know, control the, I mean, this is very basic control the narrative and you control the story, you control right. where people's attention is. Exactly. Um, that is politics. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. that is basically politics. And, um, you know, the news media, that is, that's a whole thing. That is completely true. Um, that by controlling the narrative, controlling what people believe and controlling, you know, where their attention is focused, where, and, you know, showing them this is where the threat is. While everyone focuses over here, I can do this over here. Um, and I don't think that's so much conspiratorial as just normal ever in the mill manipulation. I mean, <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Yeah. I, I think some, some people like to, you know, not really, Sure. And, and I, you know, I always, I, I get mad sometimes with people who go with way out conspiracies. Cause I'm like, look, there are conspiracies in the world and there's usually two things they involved money and power. And it's really that simple. You follow the money. There's your conspiracy. <laughs> who's benefiting from this. Who's getting paid more, you know, and that, and that's really that simple. Um, yeah, it really is. <laughs> so it, it's, it's, you know, and you can get hung up on like what a, you know, some person over here is doing what this power over here is doing what this power over here is doing. And it's not that it's not, you know, bad to be aware of that, but at the same time, some people hang their identity on a conspiracy. Uh, whereas, you know, that's not where your power is going to be. Power is going to be in your energy and your path in your heart and, you know, how you treat the world around you. So I, I feel like, you know, one perspective I have in regards to this, I feel like in a sense, since we're, we're given a narrative as a collective society, I feel like, you know, for instance, when you were saying how, you know, the, like we all have a bit of power within us and like there's 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 special things there that i think we're almost you're at a very young age you're told the 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 opposite and i feel like you're 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 um you're kind of forced to conform to you know ordinariness you know that's mm-hmm. that's 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 just the the narrative that's that's given and the 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 potential that that is is there is never actually tapped because the narrative doesn't allow for that well uh, yeah there are roles in society that we want filled and so 
<laughs> we try to fit uh, people into those roles. And for the best, I mean, from, from uh, a family's perspective, for the best of reasons, we want someone to succeed. We don't want them to go hungry. We want them to be able to, you know, continue and, and exist in society. Um, my thoughts lately have been is that the, the problem is, is that we've created society that doesn't support people. Yeah. Uh, and it's supposed to be, it's supposed to go both ways really where we're supposed to, you know, yes, people are supposed to support society and societies are supposed to support people. Uh, and we don't do that. Uh, well, I think, uh, a, a, a prime example of that is that, you know, you look at this, this pandemic, you, you see that there are tens of millions of people who are in predicaments that they would have never fathomed before this, where there yeah. there's food insecurity, like we've never seen. All of these things are going on, and you see that you see in other countries, like in Europe, where they've given their they've given the people who who have to stay home and who have lost their jobs eighty percent, ninety percent of of what they normally would be be compensated, so that they can stay home and still. Not, and, and not have to worry about their bills or losing their, their home and everything. You look here, what have you <laughs> gotten? One lousy check of $1,200. But, but then you look at how much money that's been given to corporations. The fact that Amazon has made more money, not less during this pandemic. Yeah. It's insanity. It's absolutely insanity. So I definitely agree with you that we, that there's just, there's some sort of distortion in regards to, you know, you know, citizens supporting society, but the society, the government, the people who we put into office and who we give this money don't return it. Right. It's a broken contract. It really is um, on many levels. And, you know, one of the things I remember, I said, everything has a spirit and that includes this virus. And, uh, because I'm, I'm kind of that, I'm just that much who wants to get into things. I, I journeyed to, to speak with the virus. <laughs> what was that like? Oh, well, uh, it had, it, you know, the way things, I always tell people the way things appear in a journey are high, is highly influenced by your own perspective. So like, I don't go by what something looks like because that's all me, you know, a lot of times it's, it's picking stuff out of my brain to represent itself. So it looked kind of scary, uh, but it was actually quite polite. And I was, you know, I was asking him, why are you here? What are you here to do? You know? And it was like, Hey, I, I'm here to create new leaders. I'm here to like stop war. I'm here to, you know, do, I'm here to make sure you take care of each other. And I'm like, okay, I can't fault you for that. <laughs> and, and, you know, and it's, I was like, well, what, well, what could we do to help? He's like, you have to take care of each other. You have to decide to provide for, for each other's needs and you have to do it in a different way. And then you've been doing it. And I was like, okay. <laughs> That's fascinating. Like, yeah. as you say that, like, it just makes me think of, I feel like, you know, one of the, you know, the things that I think has been both a positive and a negative of in regards to this pandemic. I feel like, you know, when things shut down, when you're not able to 
constantly be be on the move like you normally are, you have to, in a certain sense, face certain inconveniences, certain issues that you could avoid when things are running normally. And I think that during this pandemic, a lot of people have had to take a long, hard look in the mirror, really, you know, face a lot of things that uh, they've they've been avoiding. I feel like, you know, also like relationships. I feel like people, yes. you know, who have had, you know, the, there's like, you know, this this elephant in the room and, you know, during, your, during like when the economy and everything's running normal, you know, you're, you're going to work back and forth. The, your partner is going back and forth. Like, you know, your technology of all these things that can avoid that you, that you can avoid these things, but when everyone has to like be stay put where you are and all these things, it makes you have to deal with some things that you may not want to. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> that's right. It. And, you know, and we've not, it's not just been one thing during this. We've had several things. We had, you know, half of our country was on fire this summer. Uh, we had, you know, cr- you know, protests coming forward for justice. Finally. You know, it's sort of like, and it's interesting that it hit now. And I think it is because people weren't distracted. But I mean, it's like, oh, I'm going to try to bring everything in right for you. <laughs> you know, it's like, let's, you know, they're like, let's clear the whole deck while we're, while we're here. And, yeah. you know, hopefully people won't go back to sleep as soon as relief hits. There'll be a, there'll be a big, and you're talking about, you know, manipulation. There will be a big, big push. There's already been a big push to get back to normal. And for a lot of us, normal was not working. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's crazy. Um, I like one, one thing I was thinking about, (laughs) do you, so I don't know if you remember uh, early on in the the Democratic, uh, you know, um, primary and everything, like when there are a bunch of candidates, there was one candidate that, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about while we're having this conversation. Do you remember Marianne Williamson? Y- yes, I do. I remember. <laughs> and I, God bless her. But I was like, <laughs> she's she's a wonderful person. I was like, she's not going to be president. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, a- absolutely not. But <laughs> no. I, I'm not going to lie, though. There, there were times where she said some things, and I'm like, that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. But there's no way <laughs> that right. the general public will be like, yeah. Yeah, well, you know, because the way we have run, and we're not alone in this. I'm not saying it's just us. We're just bad in this country. No, I'm. this is like historically this has been used again and again and again the way we run our politics is we point at something going those people those people are the problem that's why your lives are crap so if we can just get rid of those people either by putting them in prison throwing them out of the country or doing whatever then everything will go will be wonderful again like it was back in whatever fictional time they're talking about which never was really like that so (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but but that's really how we how we've run our country is we've we've scapegoated our way through history. Um, 
which is unfortunate. And it's something that, that needs, that has to change because as long as uh, you can just point at someone going there, they're the problem right over there. Not only is it bad for those people, it's really bad for everybody because while you're busy with looking at this person over here and trying to step down and punch down on them, someone's taking money out of your pocket. <laughs> no. Yeah. And I'm curious. Cause like one, you know, and th- this is, this is like a, a working thought, but like one thought that I've, I've thought, thought about a lot lately when I, when I, when I look at, you know, our country, when I look at the world, like, like how you were talking about how, you know, we, we, we have this notion of always wanting to blame like, you know, like this group. And if we get rid of this group and there's always this narrative of pointing fingers, there's always this narrative of, you know, one group having to be on the top and like, Mm -hmm. you know, we're basically all beholden to that one group and that group basically dictating and ensuring order, quote unquote order. Uh, You know, when I think of, you know, how people talk about, you know, that there are certain um, ideologies, certain, you know, uh, societal structures that, you know, they think would be better alternatives to to what we have, to what other people have, whatever it may be. You know, I, I look at some of them and I think, you know, I get some of the the complaints, I get some of the the, grievan- the grievances that people have and, you know, the, people wanting things to be more fair. And mm-hmm. one of the, the things that keeps popping into my head is that I just think we are a relatively young species. And I just think that, you know, in regards to our level of consciousness, in regards to our ability to um, empathize on a higher level than, than we're capable of now, I just think that these are just things that will happen eventually, but we're just not there yet. What are your thoughts on that? Are you asking me about hope for the future? Because I got... <laughs> <laughs> well, about yeah. for a piece of, yeah, kind yeah. Of, that's okay. No, yeah. I, I, I've, I've, I'm curious. I've looked ahead. <laughs> I would say, uh, for the good news, look to the far future. Um, short-term future, it's a little dicey. Um, but yeah, I think we get there. I, I think we come to a place where we're like we know in our bones, like that we are a brother's keeper in a sense. That's, right. you know, cause we are, I mean, all the great things that we've done as a society is, and as a civilization we've done because lots of people have worked together and very, to do very complicated things, just like the mushroom lady said. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think we do get there. And the only difference between because there's, we're going to get there eventually. The only differences occur in the in sort of the next couple hundred years, where we determine how hard that transition is going to be for ourselves. So we can make it easy, or we you know you can do this the easy way, or we can right. do this the hard way. <laughs> Currently, we've been doing it the hard way. It would be really nice if we started do things the easy way. And, and and in your opinion, what's the easy way? I think I have an idea, but I... I yeah. <laughs> well, um, as I've worked on my, you know, it's really funny because as I get older, I, I have what I call white old man thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> 
And I go, where the hell did that come from? And I have trained myself to sit back and go, is that even mine? Or is that just collective stuff bullshit that I'm handing out? And why am I thinking this? And because you should always ask yourself why you're thinking this, particularly if you're thinking something bad about somebody or, you know, a group of people or those kids just don't know what's going on. Whatever it is, you know, right. you need to just sit back because you reach a stage when you start thinking like, I'm not my father. Why am I thinking this way? You know, <laughs> um, he's a wonderful man, but he's wrong about some things, right? <laughs> <laughs> and um, it just, it, it's sort of like, well, there's this idea of deservingness that we have like put in, it's like hammered into us, like from a very young age, you want this, you better deserve it, you know? And so we have decided that clean water, clean air, uh, clean food, and access to medical care is something you have to deserve and work really, really, really hard for. And... And love, yes, we've rationed love quite a bit. Uh, somebody, there's this one woman I met, and I forget what country from Africa she was from, but she came in and she said something to me that blew my mind. She said, you know, all our, all our songs where I come from are about rain because we don't get much of it. She's like, I came here and she says, all your songs are about love. It made me think that you don't get much of that here. Wow. <laughs> And I was like, I started thinking, I was like, all of our songs are about that, just about. I was like, <laughs> what if she's right? I mean, she could be right. I mean, it just it, that was just like a thought that just like blew my mind was like, we sing about what we don't have or what we really, really want. They're singing about rain. We're singing about love. Yeah. And I'm like, so, you know, there are consequences when you starve a consciousness of what it needs. And it starts to look very miserly about things and becomes very ungenerous of spirit towards others. And so I think nurturing that in ourselves and going, is that true? And why do I think that about that? Well, I must think that about myself. That was one of the things is like, if I'm thinking these people don't deserve it, what I'm really saying is like, maybe I don't deserve it. Or I'm trying to make them less than me so that I feel like I deserve something. And, you know, that's where you start to have that conversation with yourself of, am I very kind? You know, and am I very kind to myself? And a lot of times the answer is no. Yeah. yeah. Like I, I think of it like, you know, we're, we, we all were, were babies and, you know, just had this, this brain that was constantly morphing and, you know, mm -hmm. adapting and, and just absorbing all of this, this, you know, information and trying to mold ourselves into who we end up being and i feel like those first like you know five i think they say like it's like the first like five years like you know the, the yeah. things that happen to you make you who you are and and like you know any you know damage that is done after those five years will take 
almost it could take a lifetime to to repair yeah it's and, it's a lot yeah. harder to repair a person than it is to build a person right like it's like you just build them right the first time and you don't have to do so much tinkering later <laughs> yeah and we all need repair yeah <laughs> so it's no, it's no wonder that we live in the world that we live in <laughs> Well, yeah. I mean, and if you think about it, like my parents' generation, they were the ones that were taught to let the baby cry it out. Like, just yeah. let the baby cry, which now they're saying, no, don't do that. Yeah. Never do that. That's like the worst thing for their development to let them cry it out. Because that's just, you're try, you're basically, you know, ramping up their sympathetic nervous system and saying help is not going to come when you need it. Yeah. Uh, so cry louder, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right. I I'm very curious. Do you think that life is on, only exists within this planet or do you think that it expands out? I would say no. I feel like it exists elsewhere. Um and are they aware of us? Maybe. Are they visiting us at this moment? Probably not, because we're not that interesting yet. We're kind of like, <laughs> it's like, you know, when you have teenage relatives and you're just like, oh, I just can't wait till they get to their mid 20s. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I feel like we might be that for a bulk of the universe's intelligent life. It's like, oh, they'll grow out of it eventually. Gosh. They're so annoying right now. Right. All the radio waves they're blasting and it's all this junk TV. <laughs> yeah. I, I definitely think that at times that there is uh, you know, it could be other humans like, you know, in another galaxy or something, and like they've, you know, gotten to a point where their consciousness and everything, like they they're just on autopilot and things yeah. are just, you know, like their civilization, everything is just, you know, it's like Star Wars times a thousand and it just works. Yeah. We, we just, we, we aren't there yet. And I guess, you know, taking into account what you're saying in regards to the, you know, time space, all these things don't exist. And, you know, it's just a matter of, uh, really, I guess, letting go and just opening up. I mean, it helps if you have other people around you that reinforce that too. Because otherwise you're going like, am I the crazy person in this room? Right. And then... <laughs> no, yeah, it's true. Just like like we were saying with Marianne Williamson. Yeah. Like, she looks like a nut job compared to she, the others. Uh, I mean, I know, I, I'm, I'm listening here, I'm like, I hear you, Marianne. I really do, but... <laughs> oh. Thank goodness she she feels that strongly and she's she's brave enough to speak. Uh, but, you know, the one thing about that is like that needs to be a perspective in governance for sure. It cannot be the only one because the rest of the collective, not in just this country, but the, uh, the rest of the world will not play well with that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so do you think for us to get to a, a point where, you know, spirituality is something that's fully, uh, you know, accepted and, you know, part of everyday life and even governance, do you think that that's something that would be able to transpire, be, you know, an actual thing um, 
peacefully or do you think that there would have to be some rough uh transitions for lack of a better it phrase depends if we decide to do things the easy way or the hard way <laughs> understood yeah that uh, i you know, I've been looking at trends. I'm like, you know, if this trend continues, you know, I'm pretty sure there are guillotine plans on the internet. And I, I know a lot of people are really great do-it-yourselfers that are probably feeling the urge to keep their hands busy. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and that's, an, uh, you know, part of the emotional part of me is like, yeah, do it. And the other part of me is like, ah, it's going to cause some problems too. And then the other part of me is going, well, weigh it out. What's the pros and what's the cons? Right. <laughs> but I'm, you know, like I have emotions just like everybody else. I get upset. I get irritated. I get angry. Um, and I totally understand why people would feel that way. And, you know, is, you know, anger is really, it's a, it's a, it's like rocket fuel. It's motivating. People are angry. They, they'll get busy. Now, the problem is, is a lot of times they'll get busy doing the wrong thing. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, go off in a direction and not know when to turn the rocket off. Uh, but, I mean, I think anger has been demonized a lot. But no, it, it is, it's, it's a positive emotion when used well. Uh, yeah, there's there's times for anger, there's times for shouting, there's times for pushing and shoving too. Uh, I, I, you know, that is if you look at nature, the ham is in the natural world all the time. You know, there's cooperation and there's competition, and you know, there are times to really draw a boundary and be and and embody sort of that warrior energy. Um. But you have to, you have to be really centered to do that well. <laughs> right, and two, I want to talk about two more things before before we uh, we go. But um, so I, I know you mentioned before, first and foremost, that like when it comes to the spirit, mm-hmm. you know, it like everyone, everything has a spirit. We're in one of the the three worlds, you know. I'm just curious your thoughts on, so we're, like we're here right now, we're we're alive in this world right now. Where were we before this in in your in your mind? And also, you know, th- this kind of makes me think of I, I had a conversation of a good friend of mine on here uh, who's Hindu, and one of the things that he he said was that you know through the Hindu teachings, uh, like the metaphor that he gave me was that basically. Um, it's like a child playing with a bunch of um toys, and like you know, each toy that the child's holding, uh, you know, that child takes on the persona of that toy, and then the other, and he's playing, and basically that that's life. That basically we're extensions of God, and that we, when we arrive here, we basically forget that, and the whole pr- purpose of our life is to. I guess kind of re relearn and and remember who we 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 are and you know each life you're trying to get closer and closer to that goal. So I just wanted to know like what are your thoughts from a shamanic perspective? Um, is to walk in balance 
uh, with all three realms uh, while we're alive to, you know, to, to do, to heal where we walk so that uh, one of, one of my teachers would be, would say like the, the shaman cast no shadow, meaning, you know, they don't, uh, you know, darken anything. They don't, they don't project anything on. They just allow the light to shine through. And I've heard in other cultures that, that the human being's job, because we very much are like right in the middle, got one, one piece up here in the upper world, one piece down here in the lower world. And our job is to kind of bring balance between those two and embody both while we're here. So, I mean, that could be different ways of saying kind of what you said, but um, one of the things that people will forget, they, you know, they'll put, oh, this is part of nature, this is part of nature, and they see people as separate from nature. No, we are part of nature. We have a sacred purpose just like everything else in nature. Sometimes we don't do it very well, but... <laughs> Yeah, but we do have one, and this, you know, but we've, uh, you know, in Western culture, you know, we're cast out of the garden, right? We're, you know, said, nope, you're not good enough to be in here. Get, get out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, stop eating other people's fruits. Uh, <laughs> but in a shamanic perspective, like. You know, uh, particularly my teacher who works a lot with the the Quiero shamans of South America, she's like, they never left the garden. So (laughs) it's really they have they have a medicine, they have a power to bring forward into the world. And it's very important. And the fact that we're here now, you know, in crazy times crazy tumultuous times we can maybe take comfort in the fact that maybe we're here right now for a reason other than we know and you know just do our best to bring forth what's in us you know what's buried in with us you know yeah which sometimes we do better than others (laughs) yeah it's it's something that you have to work at you know, it's, it's not, it's not going to just happen magically and you have to, you have to want to do it. Okay. Last question. Okay. Left the, the, the biggest one of all. Um, I, I know before you mentioned how, you know, like in the three worlds, one of the worlds, uh, I think you, you said that there's like a deity or a God there. You know, what, what's your, your thoughts on, how we perceive God, how, how do you perceive God or, you know, like whatever you want to call uh, the omnipotent being, uh, is this being responsible for creating us? Is, are there multiple? Is there just one? I feel like. Yes. Comes- no, <laughs> <laughs> I think there's like, that's a, yeah, that's a big question. Um, <laughs> um, and I always go back and forth, like what I thought you know, when I believed a year ago, do I believe it now? When I believed five years ago, do I believe it now? Uh, I would say there is something that is greater than all of us. 
And I think ancient cultures uh, tried to write down perceptions of what they got from this awareness, this being, this presence. And, but it was more, I've had an experience where I have been touched by what probably some people would call God. Um, Maybe not the big G, but one of them at least. Uh, uh, And when I explain what happened and I say, this is what was said, I always include with that a disclaimer, like, but there were actually no words. So this is my closest translation as to what was conveyed. (laughs) You know, and it was most like a, hey, you're okay. I love you. You know, you are the way you are for a reason. (laughs) But that's not exactly what was said because there were no words exchanged. It was all simultaneously internal and also all around me. So... Uh, you know, I look at de- this, this gets me into trouble because people look at me who particularly have very strong beliefs and, and this offends them. But I look at deities almost like projections that, you know, we have an idea, you know, we have a need and a shape arises in our mind. And part of that great being inhabits the shape to interact with us. It's like, an, I see them almost like intermediaries, um, which is very similar, I think, to the way the Hindu kind of tradition thinks that it's like, you know, they have all these different gods, but that's not really God. That's just the form it takes when it's doing a particular action or playing a role. Right. And that's kind of, I, and I kind of lean towards that. And And lately I've even gone to where I'm like this idea of God itself is it's a really boxed in term because we're talking about an infinite consciousness. Yeah. And we really anthropomorphize it. I mean, (laughs) if the way our sacred texts read, it's really personified in a particular singular yeah mono kind of way and i feel like you know yeah yeah, i agree and i i think that that's that's because you know first and foremost i think that human beings it's hard to fully fathom you know with our brains you know an omnipotent you know being that you know is everything everywhere and all the like it like and i think that you know we try to truncate it to something that's more palatable and you know that you know like you were saying we kind of project ourselves onto uh this you know omnipotent being to fit our narrative and to fit you know the the way in which we perceive ourselves you know like like you know there's a bit of control i think Uh, Oh, yeah. You know, incorporated into it. Uh, I remember I heard somebody once say, you know, God doesn't know where God came from. Yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) Maybe that's why they created us. So we can maybe figure it out. (laughs) It's like, 
how did I get here? Well, let's, let's make some people that will find that out for us. You know, <laughs> yeah. uh, I do believe that there is a sense of humor <laughs> in, <laughs> in that infinite consciousness. Uh, I've seen it in action. Uh, so yeah, I, and it's one of those things, particularly, you know, as you've got the child, we all, we, you know, if we were raised in a particular way, we grew up with a childhood idea of God that was very clear on who's good and who's bad. Uh, and what happens to bad little boys if they don't do what they're told, you know, mm-hmm. they will be punished. And it's really hard to shed ourselves of that idea. And then also, you know, instilled alongside that. It's like, if you're really in, in trouble, call out, you know? And so we're, we're calling out for someone to save us and also terrified that someone's going to damn us, you know? And those two exist in our subconscious mind together. And it's a weird, so it, it you know, it really does box it in. And it really, you know, if we wanted a, a more open relationship, and a more ongoing dialogue with that infinite consciousness, we've really limited their way that they could get a hold of us. Right. <laughs> so we've, we've really kind of boxed in their options for us uh, to that in a way that won't blow our heads off. You know? Right. Interesting. So is it fair to say that this, you know, infinite consciousness is, everywhere and, and anywhere and is not looking down judging every single thing that we do but is constantly you know orbiting everything and anything uh but is more more of a you know active audience member as opposed to a judgmental you know angry uh dad or mom or both mom dad dad. (laughs) yeah i i think so i mean again you know we're we're putting you know angry judgmental those are human qualities yeah i mean (laughs) i mean and you know if we look at you know commandments you don't have any other gods but me otherwise you're gonna get in big trouble well, if you're look at it this way, if you're an infinite, all-knowing, all-powerful consciousness, do you care if people believe in you or not? Probably, Probably not. not. Yeah. <laughs> it's just sort of like when you have when you're really secure in yourself, do you care what all the haters say? Not so much. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's kind of probably, and again, I'm projecting because I don't know any other way to do it, but I'm. <laughs> I'm thinking, you know, I would hope that an infinite consciousness would be bigger than that. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, I I agree. What would you, so like, what would be your recommendation for anyone out here, there listening who may be having a pretty shitty year, you know, they, maybe they, their, their faith was in general of, of anything is, was low already to begin with. And now it's at an even all time low, you know, what are like, what are some words of wisdom that you'd give to, to anyone as far as, you know, things that they can do to really, you know, enrich in their life and to just have a higher level of consciousness 
uh, as we try to live through this hilarious sitcom we call life. Yeah. We're in that, you know, awful third season where they can't quite figure out what the narrative is. <laughs> or was that, is that usually the fifth season where that happens, where they just don't know what to do with the show anymore? No, no. Yeah. It's the third season. Is it third season? Okay, good. Yeah, All right. Um, yeah. I, I would say, I'm not going to say keep the sense of humor because I have not had one this year. Uh, (laughs) So, you know, with all my tools and all the stuff and all my practices, like I have struggled immensely. So I can't imagine if someone doesn't have anything like that, what they're going through. So I think the first thing is, is start to pay attention to how you talk to yourself. And if you want to truly be miserable, you should always compare yourself to other people. Um, particularly on social media, because we all know everyone's completely being 100% authentic when they represent themselves on there. So authentic. So authentic, yeah. It's like Instagram, like I'm, I'm just not that spiritual as all those uh, yogis I see on, on Instagram. <laughs> uh, I'm just, I, I can't do it. So you've got to find what's you and you've got to be okay with you. You just do, because otherwise, no matter what's going on, you're not going to be happy. You might distract yourself for a while from that. And I think that's what a lot of us have done for most of our lives is distract ourselves from our, our dissatisfaction, our uh, inner cruelties, because a lot of us have been really cruel to ourselves. And, you know, I think starting there and starting because we're by ourselves so much now. Uh, We need to be kind to ourselves. And once we're doing that, it's so much easier to be kinder to other people. So that's, that's all I got. (laughs) That's great. Thomas, thank you so much. This has been amazing. Uh, Before we go, can you, can you give us your, your info? Just say it one more time for them. I'm going to put it in the description and everything too, but. Sure. Um, I'm on, you can find me, uh, I've got a website, www.thomasmooneagle.com. You can find me on YouTube on just look under Thomas Mooneagle. I've got two different channels. One's Tai Chi, one's uh, sort of my healing videos. I'm on Instagram, Thomas Mooneagle. You get the point. It's pretty easy to find me. (laughs) (laughs) And I've got Patreon too. So if you're interested in, in joining up there, uh, you go to patreon.com slash Thomas Moon Eagle. Beautiful. Thomas, thanks again. Thank you.